Let's pray. Father God, I just thank you so much that you sent Jesus as a gift for Christmas. Lord God, I thank you that you made a way for us to connect with you and you sent the Holy Spirit to provide us instruction, those instructions to walk out our daily life. God, I thank you for your word today and the word that you've given and we've prepared, but Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place because without your understanding, without your instruction, without your will in this place, it's nothing more than another book but your scriptures are holy and they're from you, God. And we thank you, Holy Spirit, that you bring them alive in our life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So look at your neighbor and say, do you always follow instructions? Did everybody follow that instruction? Right? Super easy to hear somebody on a platform say, look at your neighbor and do something and you're all like, uh, nope, I'm out. This guy's already being weird. So. In the introduction, Pastor Dino talked about the fact that we do serve in children's ministry, and so I'm going to ask you for some interaction today, or I'm going to have some visuals, so enjoy it, because this is just how we teach, and we're probably going to shift directions every eight minutes, because kids, if you talk about one thing for longer than eight minutes, they, you lose their attention. So that's how I've been taught to teach, not necessarily how you need to listen. But I just want to thank you all so much for being here, and... I'm so thankful for that gift of Jesus that we've been talking about. The other gift I'm super thankful for this Christmas is aren't you thankful for our pastors? Amen. Aren't you thankful that God gave us Pastor Dino and Pastor Jeannie? Yes. So, Pastor Dino, Pastor Jeannie, if you're watching, we love you. Father God, I just ask you to release a blessing on our pastors today in Jesus' name. And I'm so excited about what God's doing here in Revolution Church. There's something different, this, this experience of God's unchanging love. He loved us so much, he sent his son for us. It's exciting, and it's so easy to forget about, right? We get into the hustle and bustle of the Christmas season, and we have to remember, Jesus came to reconnect us to the Father. And to me, that's so precious when you start digging into that. And it's funny, I've learned a lot more about what that feels like as a dad. So I, along with my wife, she did most of the work, but we have two beautiful children together, uh, my daughter, Charlotte, is five. My son is two and a half, Riker. And this Christmas season, we get to start seeing that excitement and that joy about Christmas in the eyes of my kids. And I had a conversation with my daughter, Charlotte, not too long ago. And I asked her, Charlotte, what do you want for Christmas? And she melted my heart. She looks at me and she goes, Dad, I want Star Wars Legos. <laughs> right? I'm thinking Star Wars. She's a princess girl. So start, really? And she said, yeah, Dad, I want to spend time building Legos with you. Right? Oh, good, I got the awe. Uh, awesome. <laughs> That's what it did to me, right? Your heart just melts. And so, of course, as we're sitting there, I'm, I start, immediately start flipping through Amazon the minute she goes to bed, trying to find Star Wars Legos that I can get to arrive in time for Christmas. I probably should have asked her earlier. What she didn't remember, though, was earlier in the year, we had been going through Amazon. And I don't know if you've ever done this with a kid, but typically, they want everything, especially when they're really little, right? Wish list? Yeah, Dad. Wish list? Yeah, Dad. Wish list? Right? And as we start putting that through, we had come across this Lego castle. It's the Magic Kingdom. We had taken her to Disney World this year for her birthday, and she sees it, and she goes, Dad, what is that? And I went, Char, your mom and I talked about this. I don't think you want this one. There's no princesses. It's Mickey and Minnie, but you like Frozen, and you like all of these different princesses. You love Sleeping Beauty. And she goes, no, Dad, that is so cool. That's what I want. She doesn't remember this conversation at all. This is the cool part about kids, right? But it sunk into me. And how many times have we asked God about something in a moment of faith, a moment of excitement? There's a moment that you see something so big, 
Of course, I was looking at how big the price was, but she was looking at, it was so cool. But when it came time to ask for a gift, she asked for a Star Wars Lego just so she could spend time with me. And I feel like there is a whole lot of gifts and a whole lot of promises that we can ask for. And we have these big dreams and we have these big visions and we have these moments of clarity with God about what he can do. And I want you to look at this real quick in Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. He wants to do more than we can ask or imagine. So we get to this point where my daughter asks me for a gift. Dan, will you hand me that Star Wars Lego? This is what my daughter asked for. Right? This is it. This is what we wound up doing. She was excited. She got her gift. She got exactly what she asked for. What she didn't know is her dad wanted to do more than she could dream or imagine. She didn't remember that she had had a vision of something bigger. Now, here's the really cool part. God made a way. Throughout this year, I worked for a client somehow that had a connection, and I wound up getting access to this Lego Magic Kingdom, and it was sitting in the basement waiting to give to her when she asked for this. But she melted my heart. Will you hand me that box? <laughs> this thing was so heavy she couldn't pick it up for Christmas, right? So God wanted this for your life, and you asked for this. But I love her so much, especially the way she asked, God, Dad, I want to spend time with you. Dad, I want to build it with you, that she got both. Right? More than she asked her imagine, she got something she never expected that was so much bigger. And this is, I feel like, the relationship that we need with God. But the funny part about that, the funny part about that as we started talking about it, there's something else that happens with these gifts that's so special. And that specialness is the joy that happens when you receive a gift. So do we have that picture? This is Charlotte on Christmas morning receiving her Legos. She's posing because that's what she does. But she was so happy and so excited, and now we get to spend time together. And so as we started digging through this, I started realizing, and Charlotte does it, my son Riker does it, but my son came up to me the other day. He's two and a half, right? He's getting to that point, and he really starts talking, and he goes, Dada, I'm going to tell you something. Dada, I want to tell you something. I'm like, okay, buddy, what do you want to say to me? And the thing that got me wasn't what he said. It was the way he approached me. It was, Dada, Dada, I want your attention. Dada, I want to get close to you. Dada, I've got a question for you that only you can answer. In my mind right now, I need my Dada. And it's really funny when you look. Did you know Father God, the king of the universe, three times in the New Testament is called Daddy God. The term is Abba Father in the Aramaic, and it translates to Daddy God. Isn't that cool? A relationship with God. I'm not talking about a judge. I'm not talking about some guy in the Old Testament that's not connected. I'm talking about the Daddy God, that connection that was made when Jesus died and was resurrected on the cross. And it was so important. You know what? Let's do this. This is this interactive part I warned you about. Say it with me. Say, Daddy God. Daddy God. Say it again. Daddy God. One more time, say it. Daddy God. Daddy God. Does that feel a little weird? We're used to God the Father. We're used to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? But that intimacy, the difference between Father and Daddy are these moments of trust that are so important in our life. And God's been teaching me how he's our Daddy 
by letting me be a daddy to two beautiful little children. And with all of the children, for those of you who are parents, that you've trusted my wife and I with across the hall. So say this with me, because this is where it gets bigger. Daddy God, thank you for loving me. How about this one? Daddy God, thank you for having a plan for me. All right, one more. Daddy God, thank you for instructing me. Daddy God, thank you for instructing me. Does it get easier? Daddy God, does it get easier as you say it? Can it become more of your culture? Can you pray this week and say, Daddy God, what do you have for me? Daddy God, what purpose do you have? Now, the interesting thing, as I started digging into this, is Jesus tied Daddy God to his purpose. So we've all heard, if you've been in church for any period of time, we say things like, not my will, but your will be done, right? We say it all the time. It's part of our culture. God, I don't want it to be me. I want it to be you. Here's the funny part. So let's set the stage here. Jesus, the night before he dies on the cross, he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And he's having this experience that's very traumatic on his body. He is king. He knows what's coming in the next 24 hours from the time he's arrested until the time that he dies. Can you imagine the human terror, the frustration, the idea of being brutalized? And so he starts praying and he says that line, thy kingdom come and thy will be done in the garden. But look at this. If you go to Mark 14, 36, and he said, Abba, Father, Daddy God. He starts with his Daddy God relationship. All things are possible for you. He immediately looks at his dad and says, you can do anything in my life. You can do it all. Take this cup from me, right? He's not, nobody's looking forward to being crucified. But then he says, nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Daddy God led to questions of intimacy, and then led out with him knowing the Father had a purpose, knowing Daddy God was going to be right there. It's biblical. Jesus prayed it. His Daddy God relationship led to his purpose. As a church, we've been talking a lot. We founded this church on God's unchanging love. And as we fill up and we feed on how much he loves us, how close, how intimate, how daddy God he can be in our life, the next question is, is as you get filled up, what does God want to do through you? What is your purpose? What is your mission? What does he have for your life? Some of us have been waiting a long time for that answer. Some of us have given up. Sometimes it gets really hard. And I think with every blessing and every gift, God always sows a seed. He's the sower. He doesn't always hand us our gift completed. He hands us a gift that needs to be built, right? I get to build things with my daughter. And the funny part about it is, is if you're looking at a small Lego, I'm making some fun noise up here, something small has a small manual. Something small might not take as much faith to walk out as something bigger. If he can do more than you can ask, dream, or imagine, do you think you can look at the manual and get it all the first run through? Do you think you have the skill and the wisdom, right? As I've spent time with my daughter over the years working on Legos, we talk about a few things. And as we moved from someone who grew up playing with Legos to someone who gets to teach someone to use Legos, right, 
God gives us all instruction, like it said in 1 Timothy. So, but he becomes the instructor. And then he sits next to us and he guides us. So when I started teaching my daughter how to work with Legos, the first thing I had to do was count. Take a look at it. Take a look and see. Maybe I have to go two across and three down, and now I can find the right part. But did I get the one that's the right color? What if what's in the manual, the color that printed, doesn't match the one that's in the bag? Who defines what that is? Daddy God. She looks to me. She looks at me and goes, Dad, what's that one? Right? And then over time, as things start moving forward, we start doing things like organizing. I like to lay things out for her to make it easier. I think God makes the way easier when he calls us to a purpose. And so that way I know where the points that she might not be mature enough yet, she's going to get frustrated. I'm right there to go, hon, it's right there. I already saw it. And she'll look at me and go, Dad, I need help. It's right there. It's right in front of you. The third thing you start hearing are pitfalls. I don't know if you've ever done this or if you've ever played with Legos, you have kids with Legos, but the biggest pitfall of Legos is you put it too close to the end of the table and somebody reaches over and grabs a piece and knocks it off with their elbow. You want the first parenting test in life after your kids, well, they survive to five? Step on a Lego barefoot in the dark. <laughs> right? That's a test. That'll be a test of your character in front of your kids. That'll be a test of what comes out of your mouth. God bless Legos. <laughs> the last thing that I think is really important, and I think God does this with us too, is we step back, and God likes to sit back and say, okay, I've talked you through these skills. I've organized things for you. I've given you my word. I've given you the instruction manual. Now, what are you going to do with it? Because when I first started... I had to help her do everything. She, she did, wasn't dexterous enough. She couldn't put it together. The last couple things that we've built together, she needed very little of my help, so I got to sit and watch. And I still sat with her. We were close. It was exciting. It was fun. But sometimes I think there's a point where God gives us a blessing. He gives us a word to stand on. He gave us an instruction manual. And then all we have to do is go forward and do it. And then we'll quit, right? Because he's silent. Well, you already said it. He doesn't have to say it again and again and again. The manual's right in front of you. Dig in, build it. Now, the funny part about it is, is when you start asking these questions, when we ask for something that's larger than we can ask, dream, or imagine, you know what changes? The size of the instructions, right? Maybe today, getting up and coming to church was the most difficult task that you could achieve. We've all had those mornings before church, the kids are crying, things are happening wrong, somebody cuts you off on the way here, you can't figure out how anybody was on the road this early in the morning on a Sunday in the rain. But then what happens, and I'm gonna move this over for a second, you dig in and a bigger blessing happens. And the bigger blessing comes with a 900-page manual. Right? <laughs> How in the world does a five-year-old do this? Look at the box. It says 16 plus. There is no chance in my daughter's life that she can build this without me. No chance. I love her to death. She's brilliant. She's smart. She's getting pieces. She's understanding how to turn the pages. She can build. She'll probably build most of this starship on her own. But when it starts coming to something that requires faith that's so much beyond you, I want you to hear this. God doesn't call the qualified. He qualifies the called. Right? Like, 
if he has a blessing for you and he has instructions for you, he's going to make a way for you. Does that make sense? Okay. I don't be too crazy. So talking about all that, the thing that really got me as I was digging through the things that I spend time with, maybe it was because of the fact I didn't want to step on Legos in the dark, but the pitfalls portion of that, that instruction, the things to be guarded about, the things to be protected, started hitting me. And in a number of sermons this year, we've heard this scripture, and I want to read this to you out of John 10.10. 10. And it said, Jesus said this, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they might have life and they may have it more abundantly. This started hitting me. There's a warning. Jesus knew when you get a blessing, there's a thief who wants to steal it. There's a thief that wants to prevent you from getting to your purpose. There's a thief that's only going to come. See where it says, does not come except? So here's an interesting part. You could be happy or miserable, but the thief doesn't come until you get a word. Right? If you're having a rough time in your life, the thief can just leave you alone. You can wallow in your misery. You don't matter to the enemy. Unlike God, even the enemy has limited resources. So he only wants to steal from the people who are getting a word from God. So as we start digging into this, Pastor Anton read this a couple weeks ago. There's another version of the scripture that I thought was really interesting because we're talking about life and it's not that you're going to die. You're not going to be killed. God wants you to have life and life more abundantly. So John 10.10 in the New Living Translation says, the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy, but my purpose is to give them, and by them, that's you, that's me. Jesus wants to give us a rich and satisfying life. Anybody want that? Amen. You want a rich and satisfying life? You want God to show up and be with you? I think it's really interesting that it requires us to get a taste, right? I have bought my daughter Legos before. She knew how exciting it is to spend time with me. And then she got a taste of what that, that's like, and now she wants to do it again and again and again. And we can keep doing things that are bigger. We can keep doing things together that take more and more skill. We can keep partnering in something that's so precious. And then here's the weird part. If you go to Psalm 34:18, it's not weird, I'm sorry, that's the wrong word. This is the exciting part. Psalm 34:8 says, "Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him." See how those two things are tied together? You taste a blessing, you taste a piece of God's goodness and you're immediately instructed to take refuge, right? Because if you are out on your own, I'm gonna do it myself, God, it doesn't work, right? Because the thief's coming. And this isn't to be scared, this is to teach us to stay with God. As we ask for a blessing, it doesn't mean I got it all and I'm done, it means now it's starting. We got a whole bunch of pieces and we have time that we need to build. So as we take refuge in him, so let's go back to that scripture We've got steal, we've got kill, and we've got destroy. And I think there's a reason Jesus put them in that order. The very first thing that we heard, and this came out of a, a sermon a couple weeks ago, the very first thing that we heard about the blessing of Jesus is Jesus is coming, right? So in Luke 2, verse 10, it says, Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. 
For behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. That scripture is amazing because you got three things out of Jesus has come. Don't be afraid. Good things are about to happen. Tidings of great joy. We're bringing you the joy of the world, the joy of the history of the universe. Jesus has come. And then, look at this, to all people. He knew that this gift was not just to the Jews, but it was for everybody the day Jesus was born. Paul's entire ministry, he took him out to the Gentiles. He got to speak to people who were not assumed to be part of the covenant. But now, it's to all people the very first thing we, don't be afraid, great joy for everyone. Does that make sense? Yes. Is this important to anyone? Yes. Okay. Sorry, I don't want to put you to sleep. So, but as this gets exciting, I start looking at this, and the news of Jesus is our joy. The news of Jesus brings us a new level of joy. It's exciting. It's brilliant. It changes everything because we're no longer separated from the Father, because we can have a daddy-God relationship, because the Holy Spirit will come and instruct us so we can be close to him. So here's the funny part. As I kept digging into this, why would the enemy want to steal your joy? The very first thing is I believe he's going to try and steal your joy. I believe he's going to try and get in there and steal the joy, whether it's the news of Jesus or the word that God gives you today or the thing that you've been praying for in your life that's about to happen, the good news that you got at your job, they're going to steal your joy. So look at Psalm 28, 7, and it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Look at that. The Lord is my strength and shield. Immediately, God is defending us. Again, he's defending us. I trust him. I trust you, Daddy God. You're right there. I trust you. You're going to keep me safe. And my heart is filled with joy, and I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. I think it's amazing that joy and worship are tied together. I think it's amazing that joy and praising the Lord are tied together. I think in the darkest places of our life, when our joy begins to be stolen, the first thing that happens is we stop worshiping. If your house is burning down and you can still praise him, the enemy doesn't have you. He can't steal it from you, right? Your whole, your whole world could look like it's burning down. But if you can stay in worship, there's a reason that we start with worship. There's a reason that we want to break off those things that happen to us. And I think worship is the key. Because if he can steal your joy, then he can steal anything else from you. You get wound up in this circle of frustration and darkness. And it doesn't matter if it's your spouse or your kids or your job or your car or whatever it is in your life that you find frustrating, right? You get a promotion at work. The first thing that happens is your coworker, who's now your employee, tries to steal your joy. They're jealous. Jealousy comes in and tries to steal your joy. You get a word from God and all of a sudden, you and your spouse aren't on the same page. This never happened to me. I'm good. I'm good, right? My <laughs> wife's perfect, but no, I, but joy. And when we start with that joy, think about it. What are some of the things that, that are used to steal our joy? Give me some ideas. Other people. Other people. Somebody comes into your life. What else? Mental illness. Mental illness can steal your joy, but God's the healer. That means he can be bigger than any challenge you're facing in your life. How about offense? 
Anybody get offended? Other people are a big part of that, right? Getting offended super fun. Can I tell you, I've been offended five, maybe 10, maybe 15 times by people in this church since I got here. And you know what they did wrong? Nothing. It was all me. It was my perspective. It was things that were challenging. I didn't run up and say, Dan, you offended me because you said this. I went, God, should I really be offended? I'm gonna keep worshiping you because I know Dan loves me. Does that make sense? Offense is is super frustrating. How about finances? Right? We're at Christmas time. Anybody feel it? Right? Anybody's credit card bill coming a couple weeks? It's amazing how many of us have a love language that's the gift of giving, but we don't have a love language that's the gift of paying the credit card. It's so fun to see the look on their face, but January 15th is a rough day. (laughs) But you know what? And I can now say in a worshipful place, God, thank you for provision. God, thank you for finances. God, thank you that you always make a way. God, thank you. Can I tell you a story of how this worked in my life? I got another kid's story. My son's two and a half. We started this church, and for those of you who know, we're a portable church. We put this place together every Sunday morning. We take it apart after service every Sunday afternoon. We were putting together children's ministry, and as we got familiar with it, obviously it takes less time now than it did in the fall when we first started. And so we would roll in at like 7 o'clock to get everything set up. So the alarm starts going off at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. Some, some of our, our, the people who show up as part of our setup team live really far away and their alarm's going off at 4, 4.30 and we all drag in pre-coffee. So one morning, I'm in my room and we've been worshiping, we're listening to the songs that we've been singing all week and it starts getting in me. And of course, I'm in my room, doors wide open and I just, I raise a hallelujah, right? And I hear little feet come running, like charging down the hall. And I'm thinking, this is going to be cool. My son, we, he's Thunderhoof. He just comes running down the hall. He's stomping, he's stomping away. He comes into my room, and I don't even know if I can do his move. Somehow he sticks his butt and his elbow at me, and he's got rage on his face. He's so angry. And he goes, Dad, no more hallelujahs. And he turns and he runs back out of the room. I, remember that day. I am laughing, right? So he brought me joy. But he is so angry, and I don't know why. My beautiful little boy, he's usually super sweet. He's two, so everything's an extreme. But he was so mad that I'm singing this worship song. So like any good dad, I start singing it over and over again. And then my daughter chimes in, and she starts singing it. I'm fairly certain my wife wasn't singing. She was just laughing. But so then it gets better. We get in the truck. And we get going, so of course, what's every good dad do? I take Raise a Hallelujah and I put it on repeat in the truck. <laughs> and I'm singing. My daughter's singing. I think my wife's singing under her breath. And my son's in the back seat. <clears throat> He's just huffing, huffing and puffing. He's all angry. He's got this look on his face. Wasn't sure if he was mad at me or he was doing something in his diaper. Right? But he's just angry. He's just angry. And all of a sudden, we're playing this song and we're singing it and we're worshiping. And there was a point where we were messing with them a little bit, but it got to the point where these songs get in you and they start to come out and worship happens in your life. And out of the blue, on the way in to service, he starts giggling, just laughing in the back seat. Somehow joy hit him by no means other than we kept him in worship. 
And as a good dad, even though I was messing with him a little bit, as a good dad, I recognized something was happening in his life. And if he didn't have joy, he needed worship. Before we got to church, he was singing along with us. Does that make sense? Now, for those of us who aren't two, it's not always that easy, right? But when that thing starts happening, when that, when that challenge hits you, I got some rough news in October. There were some just challenging things happening in our life, and I had to leave. I went for a walk, and it looked a lot more like, I raise a hallelujah, right? I got, my heart's dropped. I've got tears running down my face. But for the first time in my life, or the first time in a long time, I stayed plugged in. And when the hardest thing happened, instead of getting mad, instead of trying to figure out how to fix it, guys especially, we're, we're fixers, right? We like to get into a problem and, right? Best marriage counseling in your life is, do you want me to fix it or do you just want me to listen? It's a good question to ask your wife, gentlemen, right? When she tells you a story. And, and, but instead of trying to fix it, I just went, God, you're bigger than what's going on in my life. I walked for almost an hour to get my spirit in line with what God said. It took me a while, and the thing about it was that was so important is when I was under that challenge, it was don't make a decision until you get free from the attack that's trying to steal your joy. You get stuck in that place, and you make a quick snap decision, you yank the rug out from whatever the problem is, and you don't see God's bigger picture. And here we are, just a few weeks later, and I'm standing in front of you, and I know that God has continued to pour into the lives of everyone in this church. He's setting a foundation in joy for your life. So I want to show you this. This is my little boy just a little bit later. Future worship team, future. I love my children, and I'm so excited to see that we can be good role models to them and we can stay in joy. But there's that point in our life when, right, we don't have a parent who's looking out for us and we just need to stand on God's promises. But we also, when we stay plugged in here, when you stay plugged into a body, Dan invited you to come back three times if this is your first time. When you stay plugged in, you stay connected, you surround yourself with people that remind you that God loves you. And no matter what happened this week, this month, 2019, he's here and he's waiting and he's got joy for you. So the second thing that gets really interesting to me is kill. Now, here's the great part. As a Christian... When you accept Christ, you have come into the fullness of who Jesus is. The word tells you that we become the righteousness or the right standing in God. So that means the enemy can't kill you. He can't pull out a gun. He can't take you out, right? You're protected. So he's going to try and get you to kill your own spiritual life. He can't do it. We've got Jesus. We have the fullness of God. We have the abundant, rich, and satisfying life that Jesus paid the price for on the cross. So look at this. In Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift, we got another gift, 
The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the terrible part. The enemy knows the word and he tries to twist it to use it against you. This is where temptation comes into your life. If you didn't lose your joy, then that thing that's always been an issue for you rears its head. And we don't all have the same temptations. We don't have all the same issues. The word says that God doesn't tempt, the enemy does. We will run through trials and tests that God will build our character through. But if you're an alcoholic, somebody offering you a drink on a bad day, that's not God. Amen. That's temptation. That's not a test. Now, if you're having a bad day and you're sitting in a bar trying to prove how strong you are, that's a bad idea, right? If you're an alcoholic. But I want to say this. Whatever that is in your life that has been a temptation, a weakness, a challenge, a fear, those things come to try and get you to sin. And the scary part about sin, and we don't talk about sin a ton as a church because we know the danger of that, because it comes with condemnation. And condemnation is the idea that once you've sinned, focus on that sin, stay in that sin, keep reliving it, and you dig yourself deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, and then you get shame, and then you get this horrible feeling, and then God will never love me, and then uh, it's awful, right? That's the challenge of sin. Think about this for sin for a second. Don't think about elephants. Ooh, right? <laughs> Try this. Got that photo? Don't think about elephants, right? It's getting easier. You're looking at it. I see an elephant. I'm looking at my sin. I did it again. I had another drink. I clicked on another website. I Whatever it looks like. I got another fight with my wife. I shared my feelings with somebody when they cut me off in the car. <laughs> right? Sharing my feelings. I like that. Right? <laughs> Don't think about elephants. This is the terrible, terrible, terrible part about sin. Because we're free. Jesus paid the price. But when he paid the price, sin didn't leave the world. He just paid the wages of sin. So death doesn't apply to us. Our spiritual life is protected by Jesus. And when we step into sin, there's still wages to pay. But we fix that quickly with repentance. You are one promise of God. One instruction plus one action. God, I'm sorry I didn't mean to do that. You're one promise plus one action from freedom, Amen. right? You made a decision that God doesn't hold against you. The Father doesn't even remember it because it's covered in the blood of Jesus, Amen. right? It's so important that we know it doesn't matter if you've been stuck in something for a night or for a decade. One decision based on one promise is freedom. And that means you don't have to think about elephants. We can cut that out. Amen. And now we can start focusing on God. Because if you want sin to disappear from your life, you don't focus on being strong enough to stop it. Because it might work for a little while. But that's not freedom. That's just, I'm going to do it. What happens is you focus on Jesus. You don't walk into a dark room and get rid of the darkness by staring it down. You turn on a light. Amen. And the darkness has to flee. Yes. So, the word says, look at this, Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. It doesn't even have to talk about sin. You focus on the word, you focus on the promises of God, you focus on his instructions, and you're going to watch things that have held you just disappear because the light chases away the darkness. Not by your power, but by what Jesus did on the cross. Amen. So, 
Then we move into the third step. This is a step that I've been personally dealing with, so I'm gonna tell you a story about my life. But I believe that third thing, destroy, is destroying our confidence in God's purpose in our life. Because if you can break your confidence, he can get you to quit. And you might still be coming to church every week. You might still show up and go through the motions. You could even open your Bible every week, but it's not alive. It's just a book. You're not getting that fulfilling, abundant life that comes from knowing who Jesus is. So I was going through this and as Pastor Dino asked me to speak today, God brought me through a journey. And this journey, I'll tell you, there's a bunch of really cool stuff that was just for me. When God asks you to do something, he's gonna start filling you up. And you have to be full enough to be able to give. And sometimes there are things in your life that are blocking that. And so I went through this whole amazing process. But then I started getting into this step. Now, I want you to hear this because this is important. When I was six years old, my mom brought this to my attention. My mom's here today. Love you, mom. And I believe that a praying mom is very important. A praying dad is very important. If you have children, pray for them. It'll impact them, and it could take 40 years, right? I'm not 40 yet, but it's getting there. It's real close. But a praying parent, and when I was six years old, we were asked in first grade to draw a picture of what you want to be when you grow up. And there are kids, girls are drawing ballerinas, and you know, this is before that time where astronauts were still the thing, and firefighters, and pro football players, and whatever it happened to be, I drew myself in my pastor's suit. I've known since I was six years old that God had a call in my life, Amen. right? And how many things have happened between then and now that have moved that around? and move the marker. So Pastor Dino comes and asks me to speak today. And what's the first thing that we do when you get something, right? You hear it in your head, you get this thing. So I start writing this sermon in my head. It, it, oh, it's amazing. You wouldn't believe how good it was <laughs> in here. It was great and everything is perfect and I've got these clever ideas and this, you know, this cool twist, almost like a plot in a movie and everything is really good and I'm being a nerd. For those of you, you haven't gotten any football references today, I'm, I'm the nerd on the team, right? So, but, and I get this whole thing and then I go and open up the word and I'm like, all right, I'm gonna finish studying this out, I've got the premise, I've got everything and I open up the word, I go to the very first scripture that I started on, I remembered it wrong. I was one word off and it changed everything. Right? So I've got this whole thing in my head, this idea that God's got this, and it wasn't even in there. So here comes the destroy. And man, I wish the thief showed up like a little dude in a red costume with a pitchfork, and I could flick him against the wall off my shoulder and tell him to go away. But it comes as this little thought. If you can't remember the word, how are you ever going to preach it? Right? If you can't remember it, if you, you, you've been a Christian for 30 years six years of your life and you can't remember a simple scripture? You know what? You should not only tell Pastor Dino you can't do this, you should quit kids, man. Because you got no business teaching kids either. Right? He doesn't even come after you for just where you're at. He's going to destroy your whole life. He's going to get you to wreck it. Amen. I can't imagine what would have happened if I didn't stand on a promise come on, and I quit. I wouldn't be standing here today. My family, my kids wouldn't be in church. 
We wouldn't have these beautiful orange shirts across the hallway to let everybody know who's taking care of their kids. Right? None of this would be happening. And I said, you know what? I'm going to start the cycle over. This is starting to steal my joy. This is starting to get me to want to quit on my spiritual life. And I went back to worship, and I went back to prayer, and I start digging in, and I get in, and I start building this sermon based on Scripture as I'm reading it. And I had this idea, and I started doing this, and I started doing that, and everything looks great. Everything is boring. And you know what happened was? Is I tried to do it my own power. So the second way to destroy was trying to bring something that didn't have the unction, the breath, that, that, that Holy Spirit intervention, not my will, but his will. How do I bring something today that means something to you? And you know, I started praying and I stepped back and again, I started the cycle over again. My, I was losing my joy, I wasn't excited. It, it went from, I'm so excited to bring you something about God to I'm terrified. I don't want to stand in front of you and bomb, right? There's going to be a coaching session after the wins and the opportunities. And I didn't want it all to be an opportunity to never do this again. So why not quit before you do it so when you fail, you don't have to deal with the failure? It's ugly, right? I'm going to quit before I get started. Or maybe, maybe I won't do anything bigger. Maybe I won't step out. Maybe I'll just settle for the little blessing. The big one, eh. I'll go teach across the hall. I'll be faithful in children's ministry. But Pastor Dino asked me to do something, and that's not for me. And again, the Holy Spirit started to move on me. So I started digging into Scripture. And so this is kind of how this this all ties together, the reason I'm standing in front of you today. And I start digging into the Scripture, and I start hearing over and over and over again Deuteronomy 31.8. And it says, and the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear or be dismayed. Right? So God comes again and says, don't fear. Don't be dismayed. I'm not going to leave you alone. I've got everything in the plan for you. It's all good. And the enemy hits me again. And I realize as I'm praying about this, the thief came to destroy my confidence in Jesus, my confidence in God's word. And I realized as I'm doing this, I'd been avoiding an area of scripture for years and years and years because for me, in my head, it didn't line up. And I was stuck. And so I want you to look at this. You can look at, and funny enough, when God says something twice, it's really a big deal. So you can find this in Mark 15, 24, or Matthew 27, 46. And it says, at the ninth hour, Jesus is on the cross. He's here. He has been crucified. He is dying He's paying the price for our sins. Jesus cried out with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So I'm in this point, and I'm hearing, I will never leave you nor forsake you from Deuteronomy. And Jesus crying out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Does that mean that the Father's promise doesn't apply to his only son? Does that mean if that promise isn't true, there are other promises that aren't true? I was broken inside. I don't know if anybody's ever tied this correlation together, but sometimes when the scripture gets used against you, it's troublesome. It's frustrating. And I'm going through this prayer and I'm stuck and I'm stuck. And I remember this sermon from when I was a kid, which made it even worse. And it was the idea that Jesus had so much sin on him while he's on the cross that the father can't abide in sin. So God turns his back on him. 
And I'm thinking, God, we've been talking about Daddy God. If my kids were going through hell, could I turn my back? I'm broken. My confidence is gone. Again, I'm ready to throw in the towel. I'm done. I'm out. This is awful. God, I need a word from you. I need you to show me something because I can't go up there and be a fraud. If, if I don't believe that all of your word is true, how do I go tell a room full of people that it is? And I spent days on this. And this is one of those points where God's going to watch. And he heard my prayer, but I asked for something. I asked for something else. I asked for, to see it. Help me through this. If I'm broken because of your word, what has changed? Because I love you, and I know you're Abba Father, but what's missing? This is what he answered. And God will answer in really cool ways. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this, I will be confident. I've got a promise. Turning back is not an option. There's a calling on my life, and I'm not about to drop it. I got this. For this, I was chosen. The final word over me was spoken before I was born. I have a purpose that goes far beyond what I want, what I feel, what I see, and what they say cannot be. With God, all things are possible. And when my desire aligns with the divine, I am unstoppable. In this, I will be confident. Of course the climb is hard. I'm not surprised. The dream is difficult by design to make sure I rely on his might, not mine. His plan, not mine. His hand, not mine. My assignment was conceived in his heart, his mind. And the blessing ahead will always be greater than the battle behind. So this is not the time to compromise or entertain a thousand lies and a million reasons why I can't or it won't or it's not or I'll never. I've heard it before, so shut up, devil. God didn't say he'd make it easy. He said he'd make me better, make me strong and give me grace to carry on. No matter what the opposition, I only need one weapon. I have the faith to overcome. In this, I will be confident. I'm too close to quit. And the stakes are too great for me to hesitate. So whatever it costs, whatever it takes, I keep coming. I show up, take the shot with my hands shaking. The fear is real, but it won't break me. God will not fail me, nor forsake me. I'll keep coming. I'll step to the battle like it's already won. Like I got the enemy on the run. I speak and believe like it's already done. In this, I will be confident. He made me a promise. He gave me a calling. I know that he's able to keep me from falling. I focus my hope. My excuses are gone. The moment to prove the power of God has come. He made me a promise. He gave me a calling. I know that he's able to keep me from falling. I focus my hope. The past is gone. The moment to prove the power of God has come. In this, I will be confident. The time is now. The odds are long. The haters are loud. The pressure is on. The devil, you mess with the wrong one. I got my sling. I got my stone. And in the name of my God, I will overcome. In this, I will be confident.
Right in the middle of this video, my confidence is rocked and God says, I will be confident. Right in the middle of this video, it says, I will not leave you nor forsake you, which hit me. The exact challenge that I'm having scripturally, there's an answer. Is the video scripture? No. But what it did is it made me rise up and look again. You know, the really interesting part about John 10, 10, the very first thing that gets called out is the thief. Do you know the Greek word for thief also translates to false teacher? I had this vision in my mind. Dan, would you come up and help me for a second? I've got this vision in my mind of a father who's forced to turn his back on his son. Jesus, you get to be Jesus today, Dan. Jesus is on the cross. Doesn't he look great? Love this man. Jesus is on the cross and he's dying. Jesus is on the cross. And I've got this, this teaching from when I was little of a father who's turning his back on his only son and I'm broken. I'm so torn apart because you said you'd never leave me nor forsake me. And Jesus in his human experience is crying out. But he never said that God forsook him. From his perspective, he's playing the wages of sin. So the wages of sin is the cutoff. Spiritual death means you are cut off from the Father. But there's an entire Old Testament where a loving Abba Father is reaching out to people that he loves and giving them promises. So just because they were separated from the Father from sin, just because Jesus can't see the Father as the wages, instead of this, God gave me this picture of, my son, I got you. I'm right here. Remember the plan when you went down there? It's still in effect. My word is here. Oh, you're paying those wages. I know you can't see me anymore, but I can see you. Do we ever have a time in our life where we can't see what God's doing, but he's right there? The father couldn't have forsook the son, even though Jesus had to die, even though he had to suffer the separation, even though he knew what was coming. You ever have something coming in your life and you work it all out in your head and everything's perfect and then you're in the middle of experiencing it and it doesn't line up with your expectations? In the history of the universe, the son had never been separated from the father. And so he's living the human experience, the thing that we're going to feel. God, he's still there. Me to do this, and this is awful. And all I got is keep coming. You've got the power to call down the angels. You could get off the cross at any time you want, but don't give up. All of them. We win as long as you stay with the plan. I didn't leave you. I love, oh, I hate sin. I'm separated. We're going to beat it. What you're doing. We're going to destroy sin's hold on the life of our entire family for every generation from the beginning of time to the end of time, the separation from me, that sin, you're going to pay the price. You could quit. You could call down angels. You could pull yourself off. You could heal yourself. You could call down lightning and kill every one of these religious leaders that put you up there. Or you could keep coming. You could be confident. You can stay close. Does that make sense? If you're going through something in your life, God's right here. Keep coming. It's only a little while longer. Every season has to end. And if 2019 was that terrible year for you, some of us have had worse years than others. Some of us have seen blessing and heartache at the same time. And one tries to steal the joy from the other. When you start dealing with the, God, I can't see you anymore. I'm gonna quit. Keep coming. He's right here. Dan, I got you. Whatever your name is, put it in there. I got you. I love you. 
I haven't left you. I wrote a plan for you. That plan is going to bless other people and touch them. I'm going to use your life even though you don't believe in yourself because I don't call the qualified. I qualify the called. You know what? Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you so much for who you are. And Lord, I know there are people in here who are struggling. There are people in here who maybe can't see you today. And Lord, I ask that you would just show them that way. You would bring them into your presence with joy. You would bring them into your presence. And you know what? Maybe this sounds crazy. Maybe this is the first time you've heard this at all. And you say, you know what? I don't even, I've never heard of a Jesus like this. I've never heard of an Abba Father, a Daddy God who wants to love me. I've never heard of a God who doesn't want to punish me. If that's you right now, go ahead and raise your hand. All I, every head bowed and every eye closed. I see that hand. And you know what? Maybe, maybe you're going through that rough time. Maybe you can't see God right now. Maybe you've been serving and showing up and, and doing everything that you know how to do in your own power. And God says, keep coming a little bit farther. And if that's you, I want to pray with you too. So let's pray together. Father God, thank you for loving me. Daddy God, thank you for making a way for me. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to earth for me. And if this is your first time saying this, we pray with you as a church. Say, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my life. Lord Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. Lord Jesus, I believe you died and rose again for me. Father God, I ask you would hear every prayer in this room. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would come give unction. You would come give meaning and purpose, that rich and abundant life, to every cry out, every prayer, everything that you've heard. God, we can't do it without you. This is 100% you, not us. But we thank you that you choose to use us to make us heroes in your ongoing story. And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that is Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you guys so much for receiving me with open arms.